Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's up, boys and girls? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, but there were no Shaker Cups given out a week ago in Columbus. There will be no Shaker Cups given out in Cologne, Germany, and at this rate, there's probably going to be no Shaker Cups given out in Birmingham over in the UK coming in May, but we don't know. That, that is not a confirmation of sorts, but if I'm a betting man, I would bet right now that body power is probably going to follow suit. But let's not care ourselves, Josh. The coronavirus is not just hitting our industry. It's hitting uh, CPG. It's hitting uh, consumer electronic shows. It's hitting travel. It's hitting NBA, NFL, MLB, sporting events. It is uh, a hysteria, some might say. Dr. Drew even went on and said that we're blowing it out of proportion. And so this episode, we're going to talk about basically like we're not going to like – discuss our opinion on coronavirus per se too much, but how it's impacting our business, our industry, because it, it is having a massive impact, not just on the expos, but on, on ingredient supply, cost, so much going on, which actually makes your job um, maybe sexy to some brands out there calling you and be like, Josh, what do we do? Because you've been a proponent of having plan B or having an alternative solution to if something goes, if, if shit hits the fan, what are you going to do? How many brands do you work with have a shit hit the fan plan? I would say... If they work with me, most of them have some level of that. I that that, that right there is a plug for Jay Shaw Consulting. He's putting <laughs> himself over for those of you listening. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's you know, there's different levels of contingency plans. Obviously, the bigger that a company gets, the more intricate those things right. need to be. Um, they tend to have people that are looking forward and looking at that. The smaller the brand, the less they usually think about that. They're usually working on what's in front of their face and they're not really thinking about, you know, potential black swan events or some type of external threat to their business or anything. They're really just trying to figure out how do we gain incremental market share in a very competitive space. Right. You know, they're, they're, they got all their battles right in front of them. They're not necessarily thinking about, you know, what could happen if, you know, something, some little, you know, disease or virus in China comes over to the U.S. Like at that time, you know, months ago, nobody was really kind of thinking about it on a very small business sense, which is in the supplement and sports nutrition space, that's the vast majority of the right. brands are, are considered a small business in the uh, definition of a, of a small business. So, you know, there's there's a ton of disruptions. We talked about a couple episodes ago, like both of us, obviously, we're, we're getting ready to do trade shows. We're ready to get into the expo world and get into, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and, and making um, those relationships for our business mm-hmm. uh, work. You know, I was in Los Angeles when yeah. Expo West got canceled, like literally like pe- and, and and we're talking about this in the sense of like, we're complaining, not necessarily, you know, all that much complaining, but like where our situation, you, you and I are are very small compared to a lot of these brands that are small businesses that are now faced with huge decisions right. in their business because they were you know putting all their money into an Expo West uh, to put their new products out there hoping that somebody like Kroger or Albertsons or 7-Eleven or Amazon would, Costco yeah, Amazon, just anybody would come up to them and say man that's a really great product we would love to talk to you about bringing this into our you know our stores, a test yeah. of our stores, and their uh, leverage. Josh, I think it's important to clarify to people listening because most people are not familiar with Expo West. Josh is making a good point here that these are small brands. Like this is the one show of the year in which can kind of make or break their future, really kind of get their foot in the door somewhere. And without it, it's fucking hard. Yeah, this is a 
Expo West um, is a B2B show, so you have to be a retailer or some uh, business, you know, consultant, service provider, ingredient, uh, packaging supplier, something like that. It costs you a lot of money to even step in the door if you are not a retailer or a, a brand. So right. you, you basically have a ton of people. This is a Super Bowl of, of food and beverage. I, I always tell people if you know, this is your world and you like this stuff and you're a retailer or whatever. Uh, it's essentially like walking through the aisles of Whole Foods Market and actually being able to open up every package of food and beverage and drink it, you know, as you go down the Sounds aisles. Awesome. That's kind of how Expo West is. But because of that, you have a lot of brands that this is how they utilize their um, way of, of getting in front of buyers and getting in front of decision makers and, and making something out of their business and tend to be on the smaller side. Right of, um, you know, you have massive brands as well, but, but you have these small brands that this is their opportunity to get in front of a lot of people. And the unfortunate thing about this is they canceled it literally hours before it was about to start. It was starting the next morning. And, and as people were totally set up with their booths, yeah. they were walking around, you know, human to human and saying, Hey, we're closing. Uh, we're not, you know, doing Expo West. Unfortunately, you're going to have to pack up and yeah. uh, move all of this stuff out. So, you have a lot of businesses that are struggling um, with things that are right in front of their face, not just you know, these long-term contingency plans and, and things that you have to think about where the impact of this coronavirus is going to be a little bit longer in, in terms of, of disruptions in your business. Yeah, let's talk about the coronavirus in terms of a couple different angles here. One is, okay, so you have, you have the brand side of things. You, so you have the brands that we're going to be – at the Arnold, at FIBO, at Expo West, we can even talk about them. And then you have the convention side of things or the organization behind these expos that are planning to, they say, postpone and reschedule. Now, the only one of the three that we just talked about that have, has been officially rescheduled is FIBO for October, which is a whole nother, I believe, unless Expo West has rescheduled. Um, and you may know that. I think Expo West might have also, yeah. But, okay. um, um, yeah. So let, let's, let's, let's talk first off about the brand side. So... I, I read a comment from somebody the other day on social media saying, like, you know, this kills the small brands, the brands who invested 10K on a booth at the Arnold, and they're not getting I, – I, I, I can't decipher the email from the Arnold in terms of, like, are they getting that 10K back? Are they getting, like, a 5% kickback, and then they have to use the rest as a credit towards the postponement? Maybe you have more insight on that. But – the comment was, you know, unless you're a big brand like Redcon or, um, you know, uh, MuscleTech or BSN, like it, it really kills you. And my comment back to that was like, what difference does it make if you're Redcon or MuscleTech or a small brand? Because I sat there and I thought you were at the Arnold last year and you remember just, just how big that Redcon 1 booth was. I mean, it, it, it spanned 40 feet. I think it was, it was like 10 by 40, maybe longer, had an uh, LED digital screen, all the product. That stuff was all shipped. Sent to Columbus from Boca or wherever they kept it. There's shipping fees involved in that that Aaron and team at Redcon are not getting back. There is, uh, you know, product and stuff that I mean, you have to ship it there and ship it back. And you you had employees that flew there that were there that didn't need to be there. So um, from a brand perspective, how much does the so we've also talked about like. The, the terrible ROI on some of these events too. So yeah. maybe it was a blessing in disguise for some of these brands to have it canceled or postponed, but. The amount of, uh, I mean, is it, from your perspective, is it a blessing in disguise for brands that say the Arnold postpone slash cancel? Hmm. Um, I mean, if you if you were going to go in all in on on the Arnold, it, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, I know the email you're referencing, and it was mostly around the like 
service provider slash contract, um, you know, the Freemans, or I, I don't know who does the Arnold. I, I think I looked it up, but it's basically like the labor unions that okay. um, had to move product, had to move your booth. If it was in a pallet or a crate, they had to move it from the dock to maybe the floor, floor, you know, those types of movements where like they have nothing to do with literally like if the, if the show goes on or not, like right. that, those human beings run a forklift, they did their job. They want to get paid for it. Yes. I totally understand that is what it is. Now the booth expense, whatever that is, that would I'm assuming is going to be a credit, uh, which is not useful for these small businesses. Is useful for like a red con because they can, they can um, spread that cash out. Like they're okay with you know it is what it is. I mean, yep. it, it hurts, but it's it doesn't hurt as much. But if you are a brand that literally you're going check to check and you are trying to figure out. How are we going to make this next manufacturing run? How are we going to, you know, and then somebody's going to give you a $5,000 credit for the next Arnold event. What does that do for you? You want that money back. You need yeah. that money to work for you. So it, I think it has a little bit different of a level, but I think it, it does have an impact on any business that was there. And it makes them question things in the future because they're going to say, I'm already trying to figure out if this makes sense for me right now, you know, what if this happens again? You know, yeah. is it even worse? Should I just dump this money into digital or or some other act, activation that maybe makes more sense that I can control the elements? What's interesting about the postponement aspect is like, okay, so if they're going to keep the money and put it towards a credit, that's one thing. But um, also what people listening to this podcast, the ones that are not really involved in the industry, a lot of your marketing dollars are spent, you know, Q1, Q2. So come Q3 when FIBO rescheduled or when Arnold may reschedule, they may not have funds readily available to be at these events. So by re- and and that's not to say that they can't save the money you had saved in your budget. But if I'm if I'm in those if I'm in that position, I'm repurposing those funds because there's no guarantee that this event still goes on as scheduled. So you repurpose those funds. Now you don't have the funds to be at the Arnold or the or FIBO. What's that event going to look like in 2020? Is it going to be down in terms of attendance from consumers, from brands, etc.? Then on top of that, when it comes to the Arnold, they canceled the Arnold. The, the Tuesday before at 5 p.m., all right, they, they scheduled a press conference for 4 p.m. Eastern. They didn't go on until 5 p.m. Eastern, so they were late. Uh, and then they canceled everything but the bodybuilding competition. So now as a brand, you have a bad taste in your mouth in terms of the level of professionalism that surrounded the event. Now I get it. There are things out of control. The CDC was involved, the government, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like that call, FIBO, I think, handled it the best. They canceled a month over a month out um, or postponed a month out. There was no people in Cologne. There was no product shipped Cologne. I have no problem going back to FIBO because I thought they handled it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's premature. Well, maybe they were the only ones that saw the writing on the wall and they knew exactly what was going on. But in the case of Expo West, in the case of the Arnold where it was canceled, you know, in Expo West, people were literally in, in the convention center setting up the booths. And, and like you mentioned, people walked around and said, hey, go home. You know, but we're canceling it. Like that, that's bad business. Okay, so it's bad business, not to mention you don't know if you're going to have the marketing dollars now to go and, and, and be at these events. So uh, if I'm in the brand's shoes, honestly, like I'm repurposing those funds into a digital marketing campaign, something of that course, and I'm just saying fuck it this year. Like I'm not doing it this year because most people are probably are, are going to be doing – like I feel like – and you can correct me wrong. In terms of like product launches, a lot of people used to schedule them around the Olympian Yarnal. Now it's kind of yeah. not that. So you don't need those events. Um, they're fun to be at to interact and engage with the with the consumers, and the consumers get to engage with your brand and get that experience. Like you know, the Animal Cage, for instance, we've talked about that. Like that's an experience that they they do well at the Arnold in terms of an experience. But I mean, without the actual Arnold Classic event and the Strongman events going on, uh, you know, do you do you go back to Columbus in say I don't know with July, August, whenever they decide to do it? Grand, the weather's a lot nicer, so that'd be more attractive, but. 
I, I think it's it's tough. I mean, if I'm in the Arnold shoes, like I would not even postpone the Expo. I think I would just wait till next year and do it yeah. same time next year. Um, Expo West, I guess I'm not too familiar with it, but the 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 flip side of that too is then like the economic impact then to that to that city. And we've talked about this at Open, like the Arnold Expo brings in hundreds of thousands of people, or, you know, from from around the world, competitors, athletes, consumers, spectators. Those hotels, I remember when I called Josh to cancel, um, literally like probably 10 minutes after the press conference, and we were staying at the Renaissance, which is just a block down from the convention center. They had not known yet, and I had let the girl know, like, hey, by the way, your phone's going to be ringing like crazy. Um, <laughs> the amount of money that got ripped from the city, you know? I mean, the money that you spent on food, lodging, rental cars, powerhouse gym, whatever it might be, you can't make that up. So it, it, there is a lot that went into play in that decision. I'm, uh, I'm actually kind of a little stunned and shocked that they canceled it. I didn't think they would, um, but you know it, it's it it is what it is. But I guess to bring it back, like in your case, if say they reschedule the Arnold for August, let's just say that. So it's kind of the way. Would you go as a brand? Um, they'd have to make it attractive for me. I mean, if I was a brand owner, it'd have to be very attractive for me to come in there. Um, at this point, I think it's a matter of just like it's a wash and just move on to the next year. Uh, I don't really think that there's much of a use to kind of reschedule it. Um, you know, the economic impact to the city, yes. Uh, but I think for the viability of the, of the event and, and the image of the event going forward, I think it just makes sense more just to kind of regroup and, and figure out a way to make it bigger and better for 2021 and just go with it. I don't think that you try to salvage it and, right. and do something else because I think it's just, it's not going to be a good look either way. Um, and I think that a lot of the, especially on the Arnold side, you have a lot of the competitors that like they're getting, they're getting ready for this. It's kind of like they're in a lot of ways, those are like their national competitions or, you know, this is their Olympic, um, you know, event really type is, of yeah. a thing. And like they're, they're, they're peaking for those things. You know what I mean? So I think there's that element as well. I mean, they let the bodybuilders obviously work, uh, still do their thing, uh, because that is such an extreme kind of peaking uh, event, but all these other events as well, it's like they're, they're in a season as well. It is, it is what it is. So I, I think, you know, on the show side, I think it's one of those things where you just kind of have to move forward. It's, it's a black swan event. It, you know, it, it interrupts a ton of stuff. It's interrupted, you know, Coachella, Stagecoach, South by Southwest, um, you name it, has been canceled or moved. Um, so it's at this point where everybody's saying, hey, we don't want the blood on our hands. If, if this is, if it gets as worse as everybody thinks it could get, we don't want to be the person to facilitate this or be the catalyst for it to get worse. And we're not willing to lose our jobs or potentially get sued over us putting all these people in a, in a room and potentially one person ruining it for everybody. I totally, I get it from their perspective. I was a proponent um, of the Arnold staying true because being an Ohioan myself, most Ohioans, honestly, the people that I talk to on a day-to-day -day basis, friends, family, whatever, they honestly, they don't care much about the coronavirus. Honestly, they have other bigger problems right now. Apparently they did. They started a petition, Josh. Well, I think you have like the people, and a lot of them is the people that aren't even going to the event. You know, it's the same thing that happened at Supply, or South by Southwest here in Austin. They, they just canceled it. And it was, you know, tens of thousands of people putting in a petition and, and saying it is what it is. But a lot of those people probably are not showing up. Right. To, you know, this, these events, they're just thinking about it from like, we don't want, you know, infectious uh, spread disease in our city and, and we'd rather this not be an event right now or whatever it is. But I, I think for me, it's an unfortunate event. It's unfortunate that it's causing all of these um, short term things that we have to kind of like 
workaround. And, right. and you talked a little bit around like the supply chain, you know, disruptions and not to move this into a political discussion or anything like that. But like, you know, it, it even brings up the points of like most of our supply chain is from outside in our industry, outside of the U.S. Right. You know, most of the raw materials um, and things come from outside of the U.S. And it moves into this kind of world of like, OK, we've, we've had globalization and, and free trade for the most part of, you know, the last so many decades. Now we have a president that's all about, you know, protectionism and, and really reinvigorating the manufacturing and the and the creation of, of actual goods here in the United States again, like we used to be. And it starts to bring up that discussion of like, should there be some element of supply reserves for things that we need in the US? Right. Um, does that help curb things like this, events like this that happen? Um, it, it's one of those discussions that seem to be going around here. In our space, it's like, it might be a lot tougher. Mm -hmm. um, but you have a lot of other industries that are kind of thinking about that saying, wow, it'd be nice if we had a safety stock supply of things that were made in Detroit or you know, Atlanta or wherever it was. Like, it'd be nice if we had that, but we don't. Yeah. I mean, you were recently just in Middlesex over at Nutribio, um, which for those listening, we talk about Nutribio from time to time, but they manufacture all their own stuff. So they have a bunch of draws. Um, you saw it in the back room. They have pallets and pallets of, of raws that they test each raw that comes in. It's pretty cool. But they only have a limited number of stock and supply there, too. And I know Mark and the team over at Nutribio, they're feeling the pressure of this coronavirus in terms of ingredient shortages and supply. And um, guys that we converse with, girls that we converse with on a daily basis are talking about how this coronavirus is really impacting the the production side of things. So it's not just like going and doing the marketing stuff at the Arnold and, and, and Expo West or FIBO. It's like, okay, at what point do we run out of supply? Like, can we are we able to get stuff from China, which is where the coronavirus, you know, China and Korea in the cattle farms or whatever the hell it was, is where this whole thing kind of like stemmed and grew. And um, but did you and Mark and team there have a conversation about the stresses of potential shortage of an ingredient supply and what's going to happen in terms of the cost of ingredients and the impact of potentially their bottom line? We didn't have like a very specific conversation. I think there was a few times we weaved in and out of it. Um, my particular kind of thought around it and kind of what I brought up in terms of point was you got to kind of have to start to guard your 80%. Like most mm -hmm. brands, we talk about brands, but like it's usually a product or two that is far and away your best seller. And you have to figure out now it's in preservation mode. How do you guard 80% of your revenue? How do you, you know, make sure that you have stock for those ones? You might be, you might have to drop off and go out of stock for a lot of products that are not really worth maybe your resources or time to be put into them, but right. you have to protect your 80% because that's your money makers. The rest of them are just kind of uh, window dressing or whatever it is. Like, you know, you don't necessarily need a lot of those. Most of them probably should be gone anyways for skew rationalization purposes, but a lot of people just keep them around. Nobody knows what that means, Josh. Nobody knows what skew rationalization I mean, that's why there's so many of these products out there that don't ever sell, but they keep producing them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, you have this idea of like guarding, you know, your, your 80% and you have to kind of keep yourself alive. You're not necessarily thinking about, okay, um, this is the best decision in the long term. It's, it's, how do I make sure that I guard my territory right now um, to sustain my business going forward? And you're going to have price increases for right. anything, regardless if it's your 80% or not. Like you're going to have to absorb some of that or pass that on to um, the consumers, which at this point, I think a lot of brands are um, taking that and actually absorbing that. You haven't seen the actual businesses like the brands um, pass that on yet because I think it's still too short of a um, cycle right now. You yeah. are seeing though, like to move this kind of one step further, like retailers gouging 
um, consumers on for toilet paper. Of, yeah. of certain things. Yeah, of <laughs> certain things. You're having the retailers kind of do this on on hand sanitizers or or uh, toilet papers and. You know, most of the largest retailers, obviously, they're not going to do that. You know, right. Costco's, the Walmarts, the Targets, you know, the the Kroger's, they don't do that. But you have a lot of these mom and pop shops that they are trying to take advantage of the hysteria of the panic, and they are doing this. And maybe this moves into something a little bit closer to home for us. Is like there are, are retailers taking advantage, of it, and then there's businesses and people that are trying to take advantage of this panic and hysteria right. and, and it's honestly it's disgusting like it's one of those things where you know that there's so much fear going on yet you're gonna go out there and like put out this information that says we have you know herbal uh, extracts or we have teas or we have essential oils or we have whatever it is and it's gonna help you um, fend off the coronavirus like you're not going to get it if you take this stuff like the fda and the ftc just put out like i think seven or so warning letters in the last couple of days uh, around companies that are out there basically trying to say they have the like cure, cure. for coronavirus yeah, yeah. yeah they've had it the they've only cure, cure for, for coronavirus is corona beer we all know that yeah, i mean it's in the name <laughs> and that's the that's a totally other subject. Did you see the numbers that have come out with <laughs> yeah. like Constellation brands like them struggling with Corona beer? Like yeah. <laughs> what? It's because uh, I mean, candidly, I know this is off subject. Candidly, when I was on the beach in Miami, I got a text about this coronavirus at the end of January, and I thought that was a joke because I was drinking Corona on the beach. I was like, oh, that's funny. There's a coronavirus because of Corona beer. Didn't realize it's a real thing that's going to fuck up our industry and impact our business, which is absolutely insane. Um, but I think, you know, to your point, Josh, like about the ingredient supplies and, and it hasn't hit yet, it really depends on how long this whole thing spans for. Nobody yeah. really knows. I mean, obviously, more and more information comes out in terms of containment and vaccinations that are coming out, and, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out, but each and every single day, especially now in America, there's a new case Somebody just died of it, I think, recently. But again, I think what people don't understand is typically the people who are at, you know, high at risk are the elderly and people with low immune systems. But you know, at the end of the day, when, when you have a, a market that is invested the way we are in media – we will believe anything that we are told. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it, it, it's bullshit. I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say, like, I think, I think it has been blown up quite a bit, you know, and, and out of proportion, and we've talked about that before, but it's to the point where it's causing hysteria. And I think, you know, we, we, we look at the ingredient supply shortages. I was on a phone call yesterday with Nutrix, which is, a, which is a big brand, obviously, that people know. I mean, they are worried about it, you know, and they're a big brand. And, and what they're worried about is, like, you know, at some point, Glombia, who is a major ingredient supplier, wh- what do they do? Like, do they start increasing their prices to these other brands, and does that sever relationships? Does that put a bad taste in their mouth? Because if Glombia makes a decision like, fuck, we might be short on ingredients on this side, like, do we pass that on to them? And then do they get, they get upset at us and then decide to go elsewhere in the future? Because this could be a long-term impact in terms of B2B relationships, too, within our space. And then you have your CMOs, and what are they going to start charging for the next batch of run? Now are you reaching, are you reaching profit margins the way you're supposed to to give points to bodybuilding.com and all these? I mean, it's, it's a long chain of events that I think that brands, I mean, they, they should have a contingency plan, like you mentioned. Like, that should be one thing that they, they have, regardless of coronavirus exists or not. And I would imagine, you know, brands that work with you, obviously, you let them know, you know, you need to have plan B. Um, and I know that somebody got in with you, got into it with you on social over that. It's just like, well, I mean, if if your mindset is to get into it with Josh on social but having a plan B, then you already have a broken mindset. Like, you need to have a plan B. Like, it needs to happen. Like, everybody should have an alternative plan of action. 
But in this case, like it's 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 here, it's real. And if you don't plan now, or if you didn't plan months ago, it's you could be fucked, and you have nobody to blame but yourself in that situation. And I think, um, you know, we'll see. I, I have no idea how long this is gonna last. Like I said, body power is supposed to be in May. That's that's two months away from from this podcast. I don't know. Um, you know, I do know that. The virus in terms of, you know, domestically here, college kids are being sent home for the semester. They are being required to take classes online. I mean, that is how big it's gotten here. So then that begs the question, like, we look towards September. We look at the Olympia. We look at Athleticon. What what should they be thinking right now? What should Dan Solomon be thinking? And I'm actually going to talk to Dan because I'm, I'm interested. Like, he was in Columbus all weekend. He... He was there. He, he, he posted some stuff on social about the Lorimers and, like, how he felt for them because that's a tough position to be in. But then if you're Jake Wood and Dan Solomon right now looking at September, like, what goes through your head? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I think that you already have to plan for the worst. And, and you also have to keep, like, transparent, full transparency in terms of your communication with your partners, your sponsors, your right. athletes, you know, whatever it is, whoever's involved with it, you need to be – all cards on the table. Hey, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't necessarily know what the state of Nevada is going to tell us we need to do or the uh, U.S. government tells us we have to do. You know, there's things that are totally out of our control. But from our control element, this is what we're doing. And you kind of lay out that plan to the people so people know, like, hey, we shouldn't be scared of this. It's kind of uh, I was just watching the uh, CNBC earlier today around like the uh, cruise liners. The, yeah. the, they're, they're struggling. Like people are canceling left and right and, and they're having cruise liners. I think two of them are out at port, like quarantined and everybody's obviously in this fear uh, world. And they're saying, well, these two, like, I don't want to be on uh, my cruise because whatever. And there's actually 400 cruise trip tr- cruise ships that are out there. And it's like, you know, if you look at the numbers, two out of 400, it's not all that bad. No. <laughs> you, know, if you think about it. No, right. And it's, um, and it, they're out there saying they're trying to get out in front of the story and, and kind of make sure that they're telling the story that they need to be told for the facts based around their industry. And it's similar to ours. Like people need to get out there and start to tell the story. They need right. to get out there and be in front of their customers and say, hey, there might be some interruptions with our supply. There might be some increases in prices. You know, like be straightforward. Say like be totally transparent say like i don't know the answers but i need to at least let you know that this could happen and it's out of my control i've yeah. done everything that i could do to help this you know tell them whatever you need to tell them but it's i think a lot of people are, are kind of in this uh you know we don't want to we don't want to talk about it right. because if we talk about it then it's going to bring light to us and and then people are going to ask more questions and we're not prepared to answer those questions it's like this weird thing so like if you are comfortable getting out there. I think people need to do that. It doesn't matter if it's a show six months from now, if it's your brand that you're looking at your supplies and you're saying, I don't know, I may only have three or months left of things. You better at least get out there and tell people what's going on. Cause if not, and you don't have any stock or anything, they might think you're going out of business. And that's the worst thing. You don't want anybody to think you're going out of business. You and I both know that stockout issues are one of the worst things that you could have for a brand, yeah. not being able to supply retailers, but more importantly, consumers with product. And there have been brands that have risen to the top of the game. We've talked about these brands that have had several instances of stockouts, and those brands today are gone because they weren't able to forecast correctly. Forecasting generally in this space is fucking hard, trying to forecast. Like, I mean, 
nobody has a great system for forecasting. It's not like we're using intricate forecasting systems that, say, like General Mills used, where they have, like, forecasting managers. Their whole job is just to forecast for certain retailers. We don't have that in this space. We're not sophisticated enough. We are guessing. Like, I had a conversation with when I was at Mills, I texted Aaron Singerman one time. I go, how do you forecast? Like, do you use, like, a like skew? Do you find stuff like that? He's like, we just guess. You know, that's, that's from a brand that's almost a $100 million brand. They just guess. And if you have extra stock, then you, you discount the shit out of it. If you run out, I'm sorry, and you try to get back in stock as quickly as possible. Now add in the complexity of ingredient shortages and add in the complexity of increased charges at CMOs. I mean, there might be a point where it's too expensive for you to produce that product, and you, just, you have to intentionally take a stock out until ingredients come back down. So um, I think there is a, there's a lot that come into play for brands. There's a lot that came into play for consumers. You know, if you're a consumer and you're listening to this podcast or you're watching this podcast, like you may experience some pricing increasing at some point on your favorite pre-workout, on your favorite protein, on your favorite branch chain amino acid. I mean, it's inevitable if this, if, if this keeps up for a long time. Um, you know, and, and it's supply and demand. And if the, if the, if the supply is down and the demand is high, there's a, there's a reason that they can charge a premium for this stuff, which then that cost either has to be absorbed by the brand, which let's be real brands in this space do not like to absorb costs at all. Um, you know, they will be passed on to the consumers. So, um, I don't know, Josh, how long do you think this lasts for? If you're a betting man, if if Josh Shaw is ge- being paid his hourly rate, which I believe at this rate is like seven hundred and twenty five dollars an hour, I think is what you're charging, Grand, some crazy number <laughs> like that. Uh, what do you? What advice do you give him? Um, you know, I think it's it. I think the rest of the year is going to be disrupted in some way. Um, I think it's going to get much worse over the next probably three months or so until there's some good news. Um, and then at that point, it's like. How long does that good news get into the system and kind of flush it through? So is there um, some treatment plans that are working well? Is there um, some vaccination that has gotten approved um, or at least to the point where maybe it's going to go out to the the worst cases to get tested and things of that nature? So I don't know. I mean, I think that you're going to you're definitely going to see some downturn for the next couple of months. But I think I made a comment um, recently around um it wasn't in this case, but it was just kind of around like crisis in general and businesses and, and that, you know, bad businesses, um, you know, definitely struggle or go out of business during crisis, you know, good businesses stay alive and then great businesses are ones that actually excel in during crisis. So, you know, it's yeah, one of those things where if, if, if you're able to find a way to get around this and preserve whatever possible, um, that's kind of where you should be at from a mode standpoint. Um, just, and that's not me putting fear towards anybody, especially brands that are listening to this or consumers that don't go out and stock up on like your whatever. I, I don't think you need to go out to that to that level. But I think that you do need to treat this as a real thing um, and it could create disruptions in your life um, towards su- supplements and, and sports nutrition. The, the thing that we have to consider here is that these are um, th- these aren't life and death things. These are things that people buy to optimize their lives. Even though a lot of people that we talk from a from an echo chamber, it might seem like these are like essential things. They're not essential things. So you could cut out a lot of this and you'll be okay. So as a consumer, make your decisions, do what you need to do. From a brand perspective, like I said, guard your 80%, preserve your business, make sure you're doing what you need to do. Um, and if you have some ability and you're the biggest, baddest dog in the race, like a Glambia, this is your opportunity really to like, stick it to a bunch of people. Honestly, I know you don't want to do that, but like 
this is your time to like literally guard the house and yeah. like tell people, well, that's why you're, you should have been vertically integrated. You should have just thought this through. Um, so we'll kind of see what, how that kind of plays out, but uh, it'll be an interesting, I think, rest of uh, 2020. Let's end the show on this. We have Olympia, September 14th, something like that. Feeble, beginning of October. Athleticon, middle of October. That's three big shows within a month. As a brand, do you go to all three? No. I mean, I think if, especially if you're struggling right now to even deal with the problems in front of you, you have to just not, you don't do any of those things. You know what I mean? You're, you're thinking about, I don't, you know, we talked about this before, like the ROI on these shows are, are not that great, even if you are perfect in your um, trade marketing, experience yeah. marketing. Like most of these brands are not even close to that. So like you're burning money anyways. Um, you're going to need that money for other things. You talked about it. Like, you know, you do inventory kills people more times than not. So like if you overstock, then your cash is going to be spread out. Your retailers are going to be looking at things. They don't want to raise prices. You're going to have to eat the cost, like preserve your cash. Don't yeah. spend it on trade marketing expos, whatever that just literally are not going to give you the return on your money that you need right now. The money, the, the cash reserves is what you need. 100%. Totally agree. Um, you know, at this rate, I still think that the shows go on. I think by September, hopefully, we have a solution in place. Um, it's an election year. So it, it, here's the funny thing, right? Like, not to be political at all, but if you look at each election year over, like, the last, like, 20 years, there's always been, like, an epidemic, like a virus. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that works. So <laughs> if you liked uh, what you heard here on the podcast, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, over at YouTube. You can watch us. Check us out on social, Two Guys, One Shaker Cup on Facebook and Instagram as well, Jay Shaw Consulting. Again, 725 bucks an hour is a fucking steal. Use coupon code <laughs> Informant. It'll save you nothing, but uh, maybe he'll give you an extra two minutes of his time. At Fitness Informant is our, our handle, too. If any topics you guys have, let us know. Until next week, um, don't get the – wash your hands, Josh. Yeah, wash your hands. Wash, wash your hands. Your hands um, and uh, I heard you should buy as many masks as possible because apparently that uh, – just drink. Drink a ton of Corona and enjoy life. Yeah, just enjoy it. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.